0: Are you looking for the spot to kick back,
1: relax, and talk all things Southern Miss? Well, you're in the right place. No need for the calculator here, Poindexter. We're average Joes who are passionate fans.
0: This is for Southern Miss fans, by Southern Miss fans. Welcome to the Everyday Eagles podcast. Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Eagles podcast. Well, we are one week into college football season, and it is time to talk more Southern Myths football. So I'm going to bring in that guy that loves to encourage, loves to lift up, who's always on time, Mr. Lane Brady. What's up, Lane?
2: No, Chuck, I'm Lane. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> I'm the other. Po- I'm the other co-host, man. Oh, uh, the other
0: co-host. <laughs>
2: Yeah, the other guy. That's who you're talking about.
0: That's, oh, that's right. It.
2: How you doing tonight, man? I'm good.
0: I'm doing well. Can you believe we got another football game on the books for tomorrow, man?
2: Oh, yeah, no doubt, man. I'm excited. Uh, You know, my heart rate got good and high at moments. It was uh <laughs> really quite the roller coaster. There were times I thought we had the huge win, and then there were times I was, you know, devastated over the loss, and then... Right. Oh, yay, he missed the field goal, so now we're going to win again. And then, you know, unfortunately, it just didn't turn out our way. It,
0: it didn't turn out our way. But uh, it, it as uh, we've heard before, it doesn't always fall in the direction of the Eagles, but one day it will. So we just got to hang on. But we got a very special guy that we're bringing back on because last week he recorded the uh, pregame for Liberty, and um, we won't say what happened to that episode. <coughs> Pate. Dagnabbit. But did we turn off the recording having...
2: device this time, Pete?
0: Yes. Is it work? Is it working now this time? I guess we're good. I guess we're good. Uh, but I want to introduce you to Mr. Joseph Joseph Jones.
1: Thank you, guys, uh, Wayne and Chuck, both so much uh, for having me tonight.
0: Yeah, I almost said Joseph Joan Esquire, so that's why I was like, "Esquire does mean lawyer, right?" So I had one of those moments in my head where I had to, I had to think. So Joseph is a lawyer in the big city of the bird.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, like you said, it's just an honor to be here. I've listened to a lot of your episodes in the past on Everyday Eagles podcast, and just uh, really excited for this opportunity.
0: Yeah, well, tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about you, man, before we dive into football.
1: Yes, so grew up in the Hattiesburg area, uh, went to high school at Petal High School specifically, and then I went to college at William Carey for undergrad, um, went to uh, law school at Ole Miss, and then came back uh, here to this area to practice law. And I know that I mentioned uh, two universities, obviously, that are not affiliated with the University of Southern Mississippi. So before anybody gets mad about me being on the show, um, I do want to offer the caveat that I do have a connection to uh, southern miss my mom was a professor there for over 20 years in the education department and then i'm also um, on the board for the southern miss wesley foundation on campus and then finally growing up in this area in hattiesburg i went to a lot of uh, southern miss sporting events over the years
0: so it's safe to say you got some black and gold blood running through you
1: yes yeah, yes definitely definitely yeah
2: We've had a lot Absolutely. of pedal people on here. I feel Absolutely. like Chuck. I feel like the ratio of we, pedal people we to everybody have, else is I, getting skewed a little bit.
0: It's it, it's like uh, it's uh, Tanner Hall's strikeout to walk That's ratio. Right. Pretty much. I mean, I've got
2: nothing against <laughs> pedal people. It's been great. I love my pedal listeners yeah, and my me, pedal friends. But you know, I'm just kind of noticing. Yes, the trend Coach Hogue, here. if you're listening,
0: I we feel, do love you.
2: Yeah, you know, I feel like we're <laughs> tapping into the pedal market a lot lately. It's a good thing.
0: That's true. Good we need to be sponsored right. by Pedal. Yeah. Pedal Chamber of Commerce. Give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and dive into the Liberty game, and I guess we'll start with that uh that moment that you love so much, Lane. What's it called?
2: Yes, the Holy Cow Moment. Holy cow.
0: Well, I'm gonna kick us off with my holy cow moment. And I think um for me. Uh, and I can't, his name just escaped me. It was our tight end and it was actually on ESPN today. I watched it, but, uh, it was a pancake of the week or something like that. And the tight end had plowed through a Liberty player for Frank Gore to score that touchdown. Um, the whole place went crazy when he scored that touchdown. Um, so I think that was a holy cow moment for me. Uh, Joseph, what about you, man? What was your holy cow moment?
1: So I could definitely, you know, talk all about the defense in general, you know, play of Malik Shorts and others, but really, Eric uh, Scott Junior's uh, pick six really stood out for me. I thought that was, you know, a big moment where the crowd really uh, got into that.
0: Yeah, 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 I was holding my one-year-old great nephew who it was his first Southern Miss game, and when he got that pick six, I almost threw my nephew. That's how excited I was. I had to catch, like, I had to catch myself from jumping up. Um, but yes, oh, the wow. place went crazy, and the
2: the defense as crazy. a whole, man, That's a good hole. just. I mean, literally, holy cow! They looked, dare I say, nasty. Chuck the nasty bunch. They appears did to be back nasty. to me. I mean, they were. They were really they were stingy on defense, man. They played hard. They played nasty. They got after people. Uh, the interception.
0: They had something to prove. Yeah, and
2: the interception, like you said, just kind of. Brought life into the place. It was a it was an awesome moment. Um, you know, we talked on the show a little bit, just diving into some stats here. We talked on the show a little bit about Malik Shorts going into the season, right? How big how big of a player he mm-hmm. is. Well, his stat line from Friday or from Saturday was he had twelve tackles. I mean, it's like the dude wow. is a tackle machine. He had twelve tackles, had an interception. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malik Shorts is the real deal, guys.
0: Real mm-hmm. deal. And uh, I guess, uh, well, Lay, what is what is? Yeah, yeah. You have your holy cow. Uh, was it Malik Shorts, or are you going to go with a a yeah, different I'll holy let, cow? Uh, I'll
2: let Joseph keep all the defense guys there. Uh, I just felt like it was noteworthy okay. throwing Malik Shorts' name out there. Um, my oh, holy 100%. cow uh, player is Frank Gore. I feel like that's picking low hanging fruit after seeing his stat line from that night. But uh Frank Gore guys he had uh I mean he had over 150 yards on the ground he he had upwards of 170 yards on the ground close to 175 um you know he was one for four passing he completed a pass once you know he's a superback he wasn't a, he wasn't recruited here to be a quarterback by nature but um you know whether you however you felt controversial or not about the uh superback thing i know a lot of fans have expressed their feelings toward the superback uh position i've seen a lot of stuff on twitter and social media about it um however you feel about it you can't deny frank gore's efforts saturday night the guy was he he played like a man possessed trying to win a football game and that was fun to watch
0: it was a lot of fun to watch and you're absolutely right there's a lot of people blowing up the boards about um, the super back and and how it's high school and, and things like that. But, you know, Frank Gore stepped up, and I, I don't know what was going on with our second-string quarterback or even our third-string, um, but Frank Gore stepped up, and he filled a role that needed to be filled. Um, whether he does that for Miami, we'll talk about that a little later. But well, uh, guys, I'm going to go, has anybody, gonna go has ahead
2: you, and say this, too, and this is just in response to Coach Hall and all that stuff, uh, you know, people being negative about what he did on social media and stuff. Mm-hmm. Look, we are – there's a lot of information. All right, I'll put it this way. If you're looking for a podcast that rips coaches, this probably ain't the one for you. This ain't Okay, it. I'm not going to rip Mm-mm. another coach, okay? Um, no. You know, I mean, I've been there. I've seen a lot of stuff. And I can tell you guys, man, as a fan base, and I have to remind myself of this too. Honestly, I do, because there were times Saturday night I was wondering, where's our other quarterbacks at, you know? Um But right. there's always information that we don't have when decisions like that are made. Always. There's always, like, yeah, as a, as a fan in the stands, you can sit there and say all day long to your blue in the face, well, we need another, another guy who can do this and that, throw in the football. Well, obviously in the moment. Coach Hall felt like Frank Gore gave us the best opportunity to win the game. And I'm not gonna sit here and say I know more football than Coach Hall. So, you know, like there's just right. you know, I it's just irritating to see people get all over the guy for it. I get I get the frustration, you know. Uh but again, just keep in mind the man knows football. We didn't hire a guy who doesn't know football. He does. He um you know, he made a tough decision and for whatever reason felt like that was the best move for that game. And so we almost won. We had plenty of opportunities to win. So that's my spill, I guess. Yeah, so I, we, I'll it, get off my high horse yes. now. I'll get off the...
0: <laughs> you're right. But you're not, you know, you're not the only, and I think Joseph will agree, like it, it's easy to be a Monday morning coach, uh, you know, after the game and and to say, well, well I would have done this on Madden and NFL, or I'd have done this on NCAA. I mean, you know, it, it's easy to do that, but maybe we should just trust the coach, trust the process. You're absolutely right. There, there's a lot of stuff we don't know about going on on the sidelines or in the locker room or on the practice field. But uh, I, yeah. I, I, I'm with
1: you. Yeah. Yeah, Go ahead, they, You know, yeah, to your point, Chuck, in lane two, they know uh, the coaches firsthand, what the players are going through that day, like in that moment, Uh you know, how they're feeling during warmups, you know, information as a fan, you you don't know. And then uh, also, quite frankly, came so close to winning, I just don't think you can argue with the point out of necessity in that one game. Now, you know, I get the criticism that you wouldn't want to do that for 12 games, but is much right. of a gamer that Frank Gore Jr. is, it makes sense to me in that moment.
2: Yeah, and, mm-hmm. a, and a lot of people got upset uh. about his comments about the fans. I mean, he gave us credit for the ones that were there. The atmosphere was electric, and it was. Yeah. He made a comment about there not being enough people in the stands and stuff, but I'll be honest, man, before the game kicked off, I looked out there and I was like, where is everybody? I I agree. There was a whole side of the stadium that was empty, and that was disappointing to see, especially when you look. You know, there were a lot of pictures around the country that came up from other Sunbelt teams, and guys, App State, pack that sucker out. Marshall, pack that sucker out. Like, you know, we're not in Conference USA anymore. We're 15,000 people at a game is enough you know like it's it's a new yeah era and so
0: the new era. you know
2: i just i know he's getting criticized a lot but uh i'd love to see the fans kind of back it take it as it is and realize that hey look if marshall can pack their stands we can pack ours you know what
0: mm-hmm. i'm saying 100 so, and and I'm going I'm to I'm go off what Coach Hall said. And this is 100% my own opinion. This isn't Joseph's opinion. This isn't Lane's opinion. Uh, this is a Southern Miss's opinion. This is Chuck's opinion. If you are going to go on the message boards and you're going to blast the coach and the players and the play call and all that, but you haven't bought season tickets to football, I don't think you belong on the message board. I think you just need to sit at home and be quiet because that's obviously what you're doing anyway. You, if you're going to put your money where your mouth is, then you can complain. Chuck, that's just that's. Chuck just my take. is
2: always good for coming off the top rope on some people, and I love that.
0: Always, he's always
2: yeah. good for that. Always. So
0: <laughs> it is what it and, is. And
2: you know, I'm not trying to get on here and give a bunch of hot takes. Right. I promise, I'm not. But you know, while we're talking about the game, might as well talk about the elephant in the room—that is, everybody mad about the outcome and the quarterback situation. You know, um. Right. So, some other notables from the game. Uh, I felt like this was noteworthy here. A couple things that I noticed. And they don't really jump off the stat sheet. I think we've covered the main guys that just jumped off the stat sheet to you. You know, like we talked about Malik Shorts and his 12 tackles and his interception. We talked about Frank Gore. And Frank Gore, actually, his stat line was 32 carries for 178 yards. So, I had the stat line pulled up. 32 carries is a lot of carries, guys, and two touchdowns.
0: That's a lot of carries.
2: The touchdown you spoke of was a uh, 46-yard run, and it was impressive. So, you know, those kind of guys, uh, they had some big nights. Some other guys that are noteworthy on our end is uh, Jacarius Caston had two catches for 54 yards. Uh, so, you know, that's – That's an impressive stat line there. Not a ton of catches, but the yards there, that's pretty impressive. Jason Brownlee, uh, he only had one catch for 35 yards, but that catch was pretty impressive if you were there. And uh, the guy was all over him, and he had a a fantastic catch. And, guys, I'm just going to say it, they couldn't cover Jason Brownlee. He makes that one catch on that one guy, and we throw it to him. Uh, Let's see, he had six targets on the day. I can think of at least two pass interference calls that he drew against them because they couldn't cover him, Um, you know, and then one offensive pass interference call that should have been a defensive one, but I don't guess they asked me. But, uh, you know, those are the stat lines there. Uh, Another play that just stuck out to me was Antavius Willis had a 20-yard run late in the game. We're going down to – take the lead and he got in as a super back and he broke about three or four tackles and had a big run. So our guys fought hard, man. They did, you know, those were kind of the stat headliner guys from the night, but, uh, yeah, unfortunate. We came out on, uh, on the losing end of this one cause it really could have gone either way.
0: I mean, four overtimes y'all Four. Overtime. I just can't I can't believe both
2: kickers that's, missed a, a missed, hard missed the field yeah. goal in the first
0: overtime. I, I could neither. Yeah. either. I could I either. mean I just And I you know, I hate I hate that this episode didn't get aired or didn't get completed like the one we did last week about Liberty. Because I can I, I think your boy Chuck here said it's gonna come down to special teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do y'all remember that? Uh, you yeah. can't prove it, so yeah, I can't per- a little paint. You got to find that audio. Uh, yeah, mean. yeah.
2: He did but, I you did say But, you know, guys, Chuck did call it. He said yeah. it's going to come down to special teams. And so yeah. um, he called that one because it definitely did. And we talked about how I mean, Liberty's Kicker wasn't very, I think Joseph talked about how Liberty's Kicker didn't have much game experience under his belt. And that showed in a big moment. Um, just it's unfortunately, weird. we didn't take advantage of it and do it on our end. So.
1: But. Yeah, yeah, and I kind of felt like you know both teams, especially in that first half, like you could tell, you know, it's the first game jitters kind of like settling down, and then mm-hmm. I think the injuries to both quarterbacks kind of changed, you know, on the fly the complexity of the game. Like it's probably you know a completely different game if you've got Keys and Brewer both out there in the second half. But you know, it's a game that four overtime thriller. But both teams, I think, would probably tell you, you know, candidly that you just got to clean up the. The turnovers obviously move forward. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: What happened to Brewer? Because I, I, like, I looked up and he wasn't out there anymore. I, but I missed him getting hurt. I guess. I think he broke his hand.
1: um that That's the report I read online. Because I just remember oh, wow. um, that he had exited in the first uh, quarter, and uh, I think he had to go to local, a local hospital. And I, I believe he's out. The prognosis is six to eight weeks. Now, the kid that
2: came in and lit us up, he was a four star prospect coming out of high school. And, uh,
1: yes, I was reading that he transferred, I think, uh, Salter. I think he had transferred. He did. He went to
2: Tennessee and got in some trouble Mm -hmm. with a violation of team rules and stuff like that. And, uh, got kicked off the team at Tennessee and landed at Liberty.
1: Oh, wow.
0: The place for second chance. He's going to be.
2: I think he's gonna be a big time player, man. Like I think we lost to a really good yeah. quarterback. I think not a lot of people in the country know about him, but they will before long.
0: Well now, am I wrong? Correct me if I am, but didn't the third string quarterback for Liberty come in too towards the end? Well, he was the third string. Yeah, he I was think like- I think the second
2: string came oh, okay. in there and we smoked him. And they
1: Yeah, he okay. threw at least one pick. He was like he he, he struggled, I think, to throw the ball effectively. I
0: got you. Okay, I knew I knew something. Happened. He's the yeah. one
2: who got sacked so hard he fumbled the ball about thirty yards off to the side, and it, I think it went out of bounds. Wait, like he got smoked. I got so you. he he was probably tapping on the sideline somewhere.
0: Has anybody heard a report on uh, Keys? I have
2: not. I haven't looked that hard yet either. I, I figure either. we'll get one probably by the time this yeah. episode airs. It'll be it'll be out there. What you know. What his time frame looks like?
0: Yeah,
2: I did read where they're getting Wilt, Zach well, Wilt ready. Uh,
0: they they did. Yep, uh, I said, I uh, heard that he took some snaps today. Um, so it, it's possible, but we'll we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, anything else y'all want to say about Liberty? Because we can't dwell in the past forever. It's time to move forward. But I'll give y'all one last shot to say something about Liberty if you want to.
1: Anything? Yeah, I mean, just from their standpoint, I mean, what what a luxury to have Salter as your third-string quarterback. He's like like, like the best-kept secret, you know, that nobody else knew about as far as him him on their depth chart. You know, just amazing how Freeze keeps bringing in these uh quarterback transfers. But, like, you know, it's just just a classic game. You know, like I said, it could have gone either way. You just hate to see anybody lose a game like that. But I think that, right. you know, for Southern Miss, there's definitely, you know, positives that they can take for the rest of the season. And I think, you know, that Liberty's going to be a team you know this, this really good all season I think so you too. know I
2: think southern miss made us I think that was a statement game I hate it came out with us losing but I do think it was a statement game because I mean we proved we're here you know we proved we're here and we're ready to compete the rebuild has happened much faster than we expected and guys I just I felt like our guys played unbelievably hard. Like, I I never for once thought, like, the care. offensive line held their own. I never for once thought that our quarterback didn't have time to make a play. Uh, you know, running backs had a chance to make their cuts. The O-line was a question mark on my end, and they, they proved to be very good. Uh, I think the defensive line played really well. They were stingy. Which we talked about that last week. You know, we talked about that in the episode preview in the season. We thought D-line might be a strength, and I think they showed that they are. And, and They did. You know, it just, there's a lot of excitement here on my end. Uh, it's disappointing that we lost, but I really think that this team is primed for great things this year. And that's, I think the rebuilds happened a lot quicker than we thought it was going to be.
0: For sure, for sure. But let's close the book on Liberty, and let's uh, move forward and read a new chapter in the Miami Hurricanes who we play tomorrow down in Miami.
2: going to be a good game. One might would say that I can't wait. Can't wait!
0: All right. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll, since I kicked off the last one, I'll kick off this one. My can't wait is... I am anxious to see, I don't know if it's a can't wait or more anxious, but I'm anxious to see what we do with the quarterback position. Is Ty going to be out there starting? Are they going to start Wilkie are they going to keep the super back? Um, what do y'all think? Joseph, we'll start with you, man. What do you, well, if you were Coach Hall, you have a healthy Ty Keys, do you go with Ty Keys or do you give him one more week to make sure that he's good? and start a freshman? Do you start Trey Low, or do you keep the super bat?
1: I think I would try Keys if he's filling up to it um, to start out the game. You know, you could kind of at some point merge into a strategy change and go with Gore out of necessity if you need to. But I think if Keyes is healthy, you know, you've planned all offseason and practice for him to be the starter. I don't mm-hmm. see a reason to change that uh, so quickly if he can go.
2: I agree with Joseph. I like it. I agree with you Joseph. Think so? I think if, if Keyes is healthy, he's the guy. And I think, I yeah. think that's, you know, I don't think there's any question about that. I think the question really is, can Ty go or not? And if Ty can't go, what's the move great. now? And I think that pretty what much depends move? on, I think that depends on how Wilkie does at practice this week. To be honest with yeah. you. I, I really do. Uh, I think if Ty can't go, I think we see a combination of Wilkie and uh, Frank Gore. I think we see kind of a, you know, kind of a two quarterback system and two totally yeah. different styles of offense there, but I, I think that's what you see to take some of the pressure off of the freshman by doing that. Again, yeah. all this is hinging on: is Ty Key's healthy or is he not?
0: Good answer. I'll, I'll, I'll accept both of those. I like them. All right, Joseph, what's your can't wait, man?
1: So really intrigued by Willis and how he fits into the running back strategy for Southern Miss this year, or this game. And, you know, obviously Frank Gore Jr. can get the headlines at running back. But when you look at Miami in their matchup last week against Bethune, uh, Cookman, one of the criticisms of their defense was struggling a little bit to tackle players, you know, that are the speedy running backs at the skill position. And I think that Willis is kind of... Um, a uh, prototype of that type of running back. And so, really interested to see if he could be a secret weapon um, to uh, lead the USM offense in this game.
0: So, going off that, Joseph, would that be more of an argument to go with a super back play? Or, or do you still think you should focus on a quarterback, you know, starting Keys or Wilkie, or throwing it all, seeing what they can do to adjust to each player?
1: Now, that is a fascinating point. Um, and it may be something where you want to kind of fill it out. Yeah. Um, I do. I will say this: I think that you might wait until uh, the last minute to name your starter, just to keep Miami guessing a little bit. Even if you go with Keys from a strategy standpoint, I like it. I like it.
2: It's a homecoming for Gore too.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. He's, He's from dead.
2: Miami, so. I mean, I don't think that weighs into the quarterback situation, but it will be fun to watch Gore. You know, you got to think he's going to have a lot of family and friends there. He's going to play some inspired football. That'll be fun. So, I can't wait is to see this nasty bunch defense we got. I'm going to speak it into existence, Chuck. They're nasty enough. They are the nasty bunch. They're back. So, I can't wait to see this nasty bunch defense versus – A Miami Hurricanes offense that hung 70 points last week. Now, they were playing Bethune-Cookman, okay? So, take that for what it's worth. However, they hung 70 points last week. It's hard to hang 70 points on anybody.
0: Right. Right? I don't even think Alabama Uh, hung 70 points, did they?
2: uh, I don't think so. And Miami have 582 yards of total offense in that game. I mean that's a lot of yards, guys. Like they're 18 more yards, and they and they top 600. And I hadn't seen many games where an offense can hit 600 yards. It's rare. It's hard to even hit 500, and they're up close to 600. I mean it's very impressive what they did last week. And now, hey, Bethune-Cookman in their own right. You know Joseph hit on this a little bit. Miami's defense doesn't seem to be. I mean, I hesitate to say this. They're number fifteen team in the country for a reason. They're a good football team,
0: and that's just in one poll. But, some of the other polls have them top ten.
2: Yeah, but I mean, total yardage wise, they gave up three hundred and forty-two yards to Bethune-Cookman. So, again, you know, they're a good football team, but you know, I look for I look for the Eagles to to have some fight, show the same fight that we had last week, and I think we'll be proud of the. Product we put on the field.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, what was Southern Um, Miss's total yards for Liberty? Did you say? I can't remember.
2: uh, I did not say it, but we had three ninety-one against Liberty.
0: Okay. Without a without a starting quarterback for most of those, most of those. Yeah, and
2: Liberty had four hundred and forty-seven. So Liberty actually topped us in yards, but uh, our defense bend but don't break. They they fought back in there and they they hung in there. Uh, most of Bethune Cookman's yards came passing. They threw for 249 yards in the air. Wow. So, uh, so
0: well, the secondary is got to two- work. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Whereas Miami threw for 277 yards. So, again, you know, I'm ready to see our defense up against Miami. Miami had eight total rushers last week and for a total of 305 yards of offense. Uh, their top rusher was Henry Parrish Jr. If that sounds familiar, it's because he transferred in from Ole Miss. Uh To Miami. He was actually one of the starting running backs for Ole Miss. He rotated in a lot with those guys at Ole Miss last year and transferred out and went to Miami. And last week he had 108 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. Um, wow. So very impressive on his part. Uh You know, and then – uh, you get past him. Uh, Thaddeus Franklin Jr. was their next leading rusher, and uh, Franklin Jr. last week he rushed for seventy-eight yards and two touchdowns. So their top two running backs had a big time day. The other uh, last week. It, to put it in perspective here, first down's 10 yards, right? Yeah. Henry Parrish averaged 7.7 7 yards per carry, and, and Franklin averaged 8.7 yards per carry. Wow. That's impressive. Wow. Okay. um, and Obviously, a lot of backups at Miami got to play when you hang 70 points. That's what happens. But Miami's backup quarterback came in there and was 8 for 8. Uh, so, he had 100% completions. Yeah. So. Um,
0: you Yeah. Know, let me, let me ask day, you this.
2: Good day for the Hurricanes last, last Saturday. It was a good day for them.
0: It is for sure. And, and Joseph, this, this is kind of directed to you. Miami wasn't that good last year, were they?
1: No, uh, they of course had a coaching change in the off season and they brought in uh, Mario Cristobal from Oregon. And you have, you know, impactful transfers that he's brought with him, uh, most notably at the running back position to Lane's point. You have Henry Paris Jr. And the reason I think they were mainly able to get him is I think he has a connection to Miami. He's either from there. At one point, he was originally uh, committed to FAU. And uh, he was really close with uh, Kevin Smith, who was the former Ole Miss running backs coach, you know, played at UCF back in the day and they came to Miami to join Cristobal together. And so that gets Parrish, you know, to Miami. And I think that inserting those transfers has really helped Cristobal have a chance to, you know, make uh, Miami really interesting, even in year one. Also another impactful transfer who's intriguing for me, Frank Ladson Jr., a former Clemson wide receiver who was there for two or three years. Uh, He's uh, big-bodied, 6'3", 205 their quarterback play like Lane was talking about you know the backup completing 100% of his passes also the starter Tyler Van Dyke is a good size 64 224 he's an accurate quarterback So just a plethora of offensive weapons Frank Frank
2: Ladson Jr he was a big time prospect at one point like on recruiting sites he was a he was one of the better recruits coming in I want to say he was one of the top receivers in his recruiting class coming in out of high school when he went to Clemson, and yeah, to to your point about Henry Paris, yes, he's from uh, Goulds, Florida, so yeah, he's a Florida kid. So,
0: so what is Southern Miss going to have to do to slow that play like we did last day? week?
2: <laughs> I mean, we did, you know. I mean, yeah. Liberty's got a high team offense too. <laughs> we were up against a good quarterback last week. Uh, honestly, where they hurt us, this is where Liberty hurt us. If you're a spectator at the game, you saw this. The way Liberty hurt us was a scrambling quarterback. That's honestly what got to us. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they especially the on the third down huh? made some big plays. And Tyler Van Dyke last week had one attempt for negative three yards for Miami. So hopefully, wow. you know, Van Dyke doesn't run like, uh, like the kid from Liberty does, I hope he doesn't <laughs> anyway, because that's that's what gave us the most fits. Um, so I think our guys just gotta play hard and trust what they're being coached. Because obviously, Coach Armstrong knows what he's doing. He had a great game plan going into Liberty.
0: He did. did. Yeah. Does Joseph does the the quarterback scramble a lot for Miami, or is he not I think known, he's known for more that? More of
1: a pocket passer, I believe but I haven't watched him, you know, enough. I believe mm. he was their starter um, a lot last year too. But so I think he has some experience, but I think they're definitely going to be reliant on the running backs like Parrish to, uh, to run the football. Um, one other receiver that I did forget to mention, that's more of the speedster compared to Ladson who's kind of the big bodied receiver. They had Xavier uh, Restrepo. Uh, he was their uh, leading receiver uh, last week with about hundred yards against uh, Bethune, uh, Cookman, So he's definitely a player to watch. But to your question about how does USM slow down this team, I think, you know, schematically on defense, there's some packages you can do to maybe, you know, throw things off. But I also think in a situation like this, when you're a team like USM that has great running backs, I think that sometimes your best defense can be an offense that goes out there and has time consuming drives. That keeps this. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. That's
2: line. a really good point. Keep them on my on the sidelines, and yeah, Restrepo was the he was their leading receiver, as you already mentioned. You, does anybody, do you, Joseph, do you know who their second leading receiver was last week? It
1: was. I was thinking it was Ladson Jr., but I think he only had about thirty. It 30 wasn't Ladson yards, and there was another guy. It was guy Henry, was really Henry Paris. Him. So Restrepo was. Oh, it wasn't Ladson.
2: Henry Parrish. Yeah. Well, he had... Okay,
1: Henry Parrish. Was, he had okay. more wow. catches, so I guess, is the best way to put it. He had, had more targets
2: field. and catches than Latson did. So, they're using him out of the backfield, too. Latson ended up with more yards than Parrish, but Parrish had more catches and targets. So, uh, yeah. they're using him in a, in a really versatile role. So, gotcha. Um, he's He's number twenty-one. So, yeah, as you guys, like as, as the listeners, players. as we're listening, as we're watching this game tomorrow, uh, you want to watch for twenty-one on Miami. You want to watch for seven—that's Restrepo for Miami. You want to watch for eight—that's Latson. Those are the the three big skill guys, and uh, Van Dyke's number nine. So, those are the guys to keep an eye on for Miami.
0: Yeah. So, like, what do you think? When, because. Correct me if I'm wrong. Our tight end didn't have a whole lot of catches uh for Southern Miss this past game. So when do you think they'll they'll get the tight end involved?
2: Uh Cavallo had one catch for 25 yards, but honestly, in our defense, our leading receiver was Kasten with two catches. I mean, mm-hmm. Caston had two catches, Brownley had one catch, Cavallo had one, Brandon Hayes, the Oak Grove, uh kid he had one catch and then gore had one catch so i mean we only had six completions on the day yeah. so yeah and they were the five different receivers i got you. so cole cavallo was the tight end that got involved and he had a 25 yard catch um he had two other targets
0: but i'm just I, a tight end you know, fan i think i think that's probably the most underutilized i know uh, i've kind
2: of gathered that there chuck you you yeah, want some tight yeah. end action tonight
0: I I do I do I think that um, I mean you think about all the 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 tight ends in you know NFL with Jimmy Graham with the Saints was instrumental in winning the Super Bowl and um, you know I just I just think that there's some there's some room for that J.J. J Watt uh, and the tight know, end
2: that you spot- mentioned that had the big block down the sideline I went ahead and looked this up for. For our listeners here, this seems like as good a time as any to give him a shout out. The Chuck's holy cow player of the week was Luke Baker.
0: That was the tight end that had
2: the big block. Yeah. And all three of our tight ends played a lot last week. Ray Ladner, Luke Baker, and Cole Cavallo. We've used them a lot. Yeah. Yeah. They had a lot of snaps. They didn't have a ton of offensive. They didn't have a bunch of receiving yardage production, but they had a lot of snaps. So that's the best way to put that. Um, defensively for Miami, they don't, defensively for Miami, their leading tackler was, uh, Johnson. Uh, he had five total tackles. I mean, they, you know, they had three interceptions on the day last week, three pass breakups, but, you know, they didn't have like a Malik Shorts coming out there getting 12 tackles. You know, their leading tackler had five, so it seems to be, a-
1: you know, Johnson, Johnson's an interesting player. I was reading that he is a two-time transfer. He started his career at like Texas or UCLA, and then he transferred to the other one. So, so let's say like he started at Texas, then he went to UCLA. Now he's at Miami. So he's made kind of the the oh, yeah, going south trip. further. Yeah, further it's got.
2: Kind of, I'm looking at his transfer schools right now. Caleb Johnson's redshirt senior. Uh, he has Fullerton College, Texas, and UCLA, all three listed. So wow. he's a, he's a traveling oh, wow. man. Uh, he's the middle linebacker guys. He was their leading tackler, number 40. So defensively, that's kind of their, their guy.
1: Yeah. They've also got uh Daryl Jackson, um, a defensive tackle from Maryland who's a transfer um, transferred from Maryland. So he's maybe another player to keep an eye yeah. on with the pass rush. And, you know, speaking of the pass rush, I'm interested, you know, when Southern Miss is on defense, to see if they can get some pressure on uh, the quarterback. You know, get some pressure on Van Dyke, or Garcia, because that's something that uh, Bethune-Cookman uh, was unable to do. Uh, Miami's offensive line did not allow, you know, any sacks at all. And so I think that you know, some pressure would probably definitely uh, stop yeah. some of that. Accuracy. And
2: both and Miami had two sacks, and Southern Miss's defense had two sacks last week. Uh, and Southern's offensive line. You know, as a whole, we, we mentioned how well can they protect our quarterback, and how well can they do their job. That was kind of something going into the season that was gonna be a key. They gave up one sack on the day last week. So um, you know, we and we had two sacks on our end, Miami had two sacks. So it seems to be pretty even on the sack end between the two of us. So yeah. Uh yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting game, uh for sure. And again guys miami they're ranked in pretty much every poll they're a talented football team, so uh we got a work cut out for us for sure but we do definitely not an impossible task just uh we're gonna have to we're gonna have to play really good football
0: play black and gold style all right well hey got yeah, go ahead just-
1: well, you know a couple of, yeah a couple of other factors that are interesting to watch for in the game, it's, uh, I think, a noon local time kickoff, 11 o'clock in Hattiesburg. And I always think that home games, you know, for a team uh, that start, you know, at noon, that that's always a little bit tough for the crowd to kind of get settled in, Um, especially with Miami being a campus. I don't even think that their football stadium is obviously on campus. And so they kind of have more of a corporate feel to a lot of their games and the crowds. And so I think that that could help uh, Southern Miss, you know, not have to deal with maybe the crowd volume of a lot of places. And then also Miami has a game the next week against Texas A&M. And so, you know, maybe you could be uh, getting them at the right time. Nice.
2: All right. Well, Chuck, are we ready to dive into some pick Let's
0: do some college pick man. Let's do it.
2: Let's put our college game day hat on here. By the way, did you guys see the college game day sign last week that said Rudy was all sides? Yeah.
0: I did. I saw that. I
2: thought it was fantastic. An Ohio State fan held that sign up, and I thought it was.
0: They always hating on Notre Dame. Everybody always hating on Notre. Dame. Thought- Notre Dame. I feel like it's the Cowboys of the college. You know, they always getting picked on.
2: That's actually pretty accurate, there, Chuck.
0: Yeah.
2: All right, let's get started here. Uh, the first game, number one, Bama at Texas. Joseph. Thoughts and predictions.
1: Yeah, I think that this is going to be a game that's vastly overhyped by the media because I think everybody, you know, is just so desperate for Texas to be back with the national narrative. But I think that Nick Saban has a track record of, you know, obviously dominating everybody, but especially dominating opponents when there's a semblance or a possibility from the media that it could be a close game. So I think Alabama will go in there and just roll.
2: That's fair, Chuck.
1: Well, you know, I'm, I'm gonna take the
0: same uh initiative Joseph just went with, and I'm gonna say that since it's one of those games and Bama normally does do so well, I think they're gonna go in a little cocky and they're gonna get hooked. So I'm gonna go with Hook'em Horns. Oh wow! Chuck. I'm gonna go with Hook'em so Horns. So Joseph,
2: Chuck loves picking these picks that nobody else picks, and I think you've hit on a <laughs> couple of these, Chuck. <laughs>
0: I have. I have hit on did. a
2: couple. So yeah. Um yeah. look, I'm I don't bet against Nick Saban. So I'm going to Alabama here. I think Nick Saban will have them prepared. I am looking forward to seeing what Quinn Ewers, the quarterback for Texas, I'm looking forward to seeing him in a big time atmosphere like what Texas is gonna have in that ball game. But ultimately mm. I think Bama's just too much for him. I think Bama's too talented. So, give me Bama in that one. All right, next game, number 24, Tennessee at number 17, Pitt. Chuck, thoughts?
0: I'm going to have to go with Pitt. Uh, I watched their game uh, last week, and I think they they showed out. So, I don't think Tennessee is where they need to be just yet. So, I'm going to go with Pitt.
1: I'm going to say Tennessee wins it. But last year, this was a game I feel like that a lot of people we kind of forgot about because it was early in the season, and we didn't realize how good Pittsburgh was going to be winning the ACC. But they went into Knoxville and beat uh, Tennessee there. But this year, I just think that uh, Tennessee's offense is a little bit better with Hendon uh, Hooker coming back for another year, whereas uh, Tennessee is kind of you know starting from scratch more with the departure of Pickett. They now have uh, Keaton Slovis, and I think that will make the difference with uh, Hooker uh, leading the way for Tennessee.
2: See, all your points that you just made make total sense to me. Like, Keaton Slovis is a great quarterback. (laughs) He is, okay? He has been a great quarterback. Stop (laughs) laughing, Chuck. (laughs) I'm going somewhere here. Keaton Slovis (laughs) is a great quarterback. I just – I watched some of that game last week, and I don't think he's settled into that offense at Pittsburgh yet. I just don't think he's quite settled in. You know, you watch Tennessee. I think Hooker is playing his best version of football right now. So I'm going to go Tennessee in a a slight upset. It's an upset, but it's a slight upset because they are the 24th team in the country. So give me Tennessee over Pitt. So I picked the same team you did. I just, you know, (laughs) I'm just – (laughs) I don't know. I'm pumping the brakes on Slovis a little bit right now until he can prove something. Maybe I'm just, you know, Pitt had a fantastic quarterback the past few years, so I think, I think he's almost repla It's like replacing the bear at Alabama. I think he's replacing probably best quarterback in Pitt's had in a very long time. So,
1: yeah, probably says Dan Marino.
2: So, all right, next we got number twenty-five, Houston at Texas Tech. Go ahead, Joseph.
1: So I think Texas Tech's going to win this. Uh, Houston had quite the scare against uh, UTSA on the road last year. And, you know, Houston came into the season kind of with the confidence uh, that they could possibly be, you know, a team that could make it to um, a New Year's Six Bowl. And I think that Texas Tech is going to be able to upset them this weekend.
2: Solid pick. Chuck, what you got?
0: Well, I'm going to give a shout-out to my boy, Dr. Connor Galloway, who's on staff for the uh, uh, Cougars football program, and they've got those boys ready. Um, This year isn't last year, so I'm going to say the Cougars eat up Texas.
2: I'm going to go with Houston because I think that scare, I think the scare they had last week versus UTSA, now they had a scare. They they did not play well at all versus UTSA. Uh, but I think, yeah. I think it almost has a reverse effect here. Uh, I think they are very conscious of how easily they can be knocked off. Plus, I mean, it's kind of – you're going up against the bigger school in your same state. I think they'll be up for this game. I think we see a different version of Houston. I think instead of them going into a game like they're the top dog – like they did last week versus little UTSA they're going in as a smaller team here so
0: it's is that game at Houston? Yeah. That Texas said so, okay. All
2: right, okay. so the next game is number 20 Kentucky at number 12 Florida. SEC play getting kicked off here. So number 20 Kentucky at 12 Florida. All right, go ahead Chuck.
0: I'm gonna uh, channel my inner Lauren Philippi, a good friend of mine, who is a diehard Gator fan, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the Gators chomp up on on Kentucky, but we'll see. I wish they could both lose. <laughs>
1: you know, Chuck, you literally know
2: somebody for every team, don't you?
1: It's amazing.
0: Just about. I know a lot of people. I <laughs> All right, go ahead,
2: Joseph.
1: Well, you know, coming into the season, uh, Kentucky was kind of billed as that dark horse in the SEC East. I even saw at least one expert that had them winning 10 or 11 games this year. But for me, I just saw Florida really emerge uh, with Richardson as the quarterback, you know, with the new coaching staff, Billy Napier. And I really feel like the upset they pulled off against Utah, while you could make the argument with the hangover effect from that week to this week, I really think that that's going to galvanize them and they're going to be able to knock off Kentucky.
2: Okay. I, uh, I'll tell you all this. Um, Florida challenged themselves week one with a good Utah team. A really good Utah team, okay? Um, whereas Kentucky played Miami of Ohio. And Miami of Ohio is not a bad football team by any stretch of the imagination, but they are not as good as, like, what a Utah would be. And Florida came out of that thing victorious. And I'm going to go Florida again here. Uh, they're the higher-ranked team, and I think they're the higher-ranked team for a reason. I think Florida, uh, they they proved they'd belong in, in that ranking spot when they beat up on Utah last week. And it was a close game. They've already had one big close call, and I think I think they're just more prepared right now than Kentucky is after week one. So... All right, next we've got Baylor, number nine, Baylor at number 21, BYU. Go ahead, Joseph.
1: Yeah, this is a tricky game because, you know, Baylor is the team with uh, Dave Aranda, you know, known for their defense, you know, coming off the Sugar Bowl win last year. Uh, BYU, you know, always has a good quarterback play, always a tough team to prepare for, especially in that environment. I think I'll give – the edge to Baylor because even though they lost a lot of players last year at the NFL, I really think that Aranda and company, they built you know a really good system and foundation, and I think their defense will travel here.
0: All right, Chuck. Well, since uh, you pointed out that I know somebody for every team, I guess I'll keep up with that motif. And um, a good pastor friend of mine in Texas, J.P. Pacluda. Uh, is a huge Baylor fan, and he has said that these guys are the real deal this year. So I'm going to go with Joseph, and I'm going to agree that it's Baylor.
2: Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think it's Baylor. Uh, I think Dave Aranda's got a good thing going there. I pretty much, uh, second everything Joseph said about that when I agree with you, Joseph. I'm, I'm a Dave Aranda fan, mm-hmm. I think he's a good, really good football coach. Yes. Um, so now let's cover some Sun Belt action here. We aren't going to do a pick 'em for our game because if you don't pick Southern Miss, get off the podcast. I'm just kind of kidding kind of. So, we're not No, no offense I'm Joseph.
1: I'm kidding kind of. That's that's so. the reason I think the show last, year, last week didn't make.
2: Yeah.
0: That's yeah. We won't right. name who
2: Said Southern Miss might not have a good Saturday last week, but somebody did, and it wasn't me and wasn't Chuck. Just that's true. That's true. All right. Well, we'll we'll move on here. We got North Carolina at Georgia State. All right. uh, Go ahead, Chuck.
0: I, I, you know, I I think the Tar Heels have it over Georgia State.
2: Um, Now, Chuck, you do know the Tar Heels gave up sixty-one points. To App
0: State, I I do. App State's a lot different than Georgia State. That's true, bro, would That's you true. say? I agree. All right,
2: go ahead, Joseph.
1: Yeah, I think that I've got to go with North Carolina, but yeah, my confidence on the pick is not great. Just with what 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 a game we saw with them at App State. I mean, that just unbelievable mm-hmm. fourth quarter, and it'd be interesting really to see how they respond in this game.
2: Yeah, the same – you know, I said this earlier. I think I said it about Houston that their unimpressive win would be the catalyst behind a better showing the next week. And I think the same thing happens for UNC. Uh, Plus, I just think App State's a really good football team. Like, I don't think UNC gave up a bunch of points to just a nobody. I think App State is a pretty good football team. So, I'll go UNC. I think I would venture to say App State's better than Georgia State. So, and UNC came think. out on top of that one, so I think they found a way in this one. Uh, next, I mean, I don't really know if we need to get pickums here. I'm more so just commending Arkansas State for going on the road to Ohio State. The Arkansas State's headed to Ohio State, number three. I guess the best way to do this is, is anybody actually picking Arkansas State on this podcast? I, for one, am not.
0: I, I I don't I don't see it happening, <laughs> but if it does, then, I mean uh, the only it's going to be a long. The, the main football. story,
1: I guess, would be you know if they could cover on the spread. Um, the other story would be you know how does Ohio State look? You know they didn't look quite as sharp as I think uh, everybody was expecting against uh, Notre Dame.
2: Yeah, well, whatever happens, we commend you, Arkansas State, and we're behind you, Arkansas right. State. Go Sun We, we would salute Love you. to see you beat uh, Ohio State.
0: Hey, yeah, give an upset. Yeah,
2: go get them. Go get them, Arkansas State. I'm not going to pick Arkansas State to win the game. However, <laughs> I will say I'm cheering for them. So, is that good, Sunbelt? Can I still stay in the conference? I like it. So, I like it. All right. Um, Next, we got another big one. So, these last three guys, I more so pick Sunbelt teams that are really stepping out and Really challenging themselves with big time opponents. Okay. We already mentioned Arkansas State going to Ohio State. The next one is Appalachian State going
1: to AM,
2: Texas AM, number six in the country. So, uh, Joseph, thoughts on that game?
1: I mean, w- what a compelling game. You um, know, especially with, you know, we talk about North Carolina against App State, you know, looking at it from the App State argument, you know, interesting to see how they come back. And I could see a situation where they scare uh, Texas AM. Because Texas A and M, um, as I referenced earlier, has Miami at home the very next week, and so this could definitely be kind of a "quote unquote" trap mm-hmm. game for A and M. So I think it's uh, a closer game than most will probably predict.
0: Yeah, but, I agree with Joseph. I agree.
2: So y'all are both. No, I, I agree. A and M in a close game. Yeah, I'm I can not see hearing you correctly. Being
1: like two scores or less.
0: Yeah. I, right. Yeah. I you know. You know, Aggies—they're—they're they're an SEC school, and uh, they've got—I think they probably got some size on some of these players coming from App State, but I could be wrong. Um, I, I'd love for hey, any day that an SEC team loses is a good. It day. It is a good day. So I would love for. App Sorry, State, Joseph. I'd love for App State to do it. Yes. No. No facials. worries. <laughs> All right,
2: <laughs> guys, I'm gonna step out and live here. I'm gonna say App State. Oh wow. I have okay. nothing to back this. No reasoning whatsoever other than I really want it to happen. And I think App State I think they really found some I think they just ran out of time there in the fourth quarter. Y'all saw the game though. They had the kid wide open and missed him mm-hmm. on the two point conversion.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Um they were that close yeah. to tying that sucker up and taking the lead. So um I'm going to say App State. They've tasted a big upset, and they didn't quite get there. I'm going to say they upset A&M. Again, I don't know. Just picking it. So more so speaking it into existence, I guess, to be different. I don't know. This feels like a Chuck McCraney special pick right here, but I'm going to go App State.
0: Uh I'll take it. And as
2: Chuck always says, I just got a feeling about them. I guess that's what it is. So give me App State. All right. Lastly, you got Marshall who absolutely demoralized somebody last week. But who let me look up who they played last week. Marshall played last week they played Norfolk State. Okay? They beat them 55 to 3. And they had a packed house for Norfolk State to come into town. So uh it's a little bit different setup this week, though. They got the Notre Dame Fighting Irish uh in South Bend. So It is South Bend, right, Chuck? I don't know why I'm second-guessing myself. That's what I thought. I don't know why I 2nd guess myself. So, in South Bend, touchdown Jesus, the Cathedral of College Football Stadiums, (laughs) all the tradition and history there, play like a champion today. They are headed to Notre Dame, number eight. We commend you, Marshall. Way to push yourself. Joseph, will they win or cover the spread or do anything
1: noteworthy? I mean, it mainly just starts with commending them, you know, for playing that game. And I think that the interesting thing about this game is it's uh, the head coach uh, at uh, Notre Dame, the new one, Marcus Freeman. You know, his home debut as the head coach. He's been the defensive coordinator before. And so you probably some nerves there. You know, Notre Dame trying to bounce back after uh, last week's expected loss to Ohio State. So I could see a situation where, you know, Marshall could stay in this game for a while, but at some point, I do think that uh, I, I definitely see Notre Dame overtaking them.
0: Chuck, I think it's the opposite, Joseph. I think that Notre Dame is mad because every you know you said it was an expected win for Ohio State, and, and they may they're going to Notre Dame's going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder. So so shoulder, I can't talk. No phonics work for me. Um, but they have they have something to prove now, so I think um, Notre Dame is going to come out like a big brother and is going to run over some Marshall. I don't, I don't, I don't even think it'll be close. I don't even think. Um, I'd say they win by three, three or four scores.
2: You're not allowed to say "big brother" on a Southern Miss podcast, Chuck. Come on, man. <laughs> All
0: right, <You? laughs> so now, like, lame, lame. Like Southern Miss is always my number one team. But Notre Dame is my number two I know, team. I
2: know. So. Uh, I'll go know. Notre Dame here. Always I commend have. Marshall for taking the shot here. Let's mm-hmm. say, oh, absolutely. Take your best yeah. shot and go after them, Marshall. I don't think it's going to end well for you, but go after him And let's see what happens. We're cheering for you. So, uh, and guys, I just want to say this. How awesome is it to be in a conference that takes shots at Guys, we're playing number three, number six, and number eight in the country. And when you involve Southern Miss, number 15, some polls have us as close as 10. Yeah. That's four top 15 teams in the country being played by Sunbelt teams this week. So let's hear All it right. for the Sunbelt, man. That's awesome. It's a good conference to begin. I'm, I'm loving the Sunbelts already. Uh, wish we could have won and pulled our weight week one. You know, It was cool seeing everybody else's. Packed house stadiums and some big wins and all that stuff and you know maybe we'll pull maybe we'll pull it this week and pull a big upset so that's the hope
0: that's the hope
2: well I guess that's all I got on pickems guys
0: awesome well uh guys go out tomorrow go to Fourth Street go to sidelines go to mugshots Buffalo Y Wings. Uh, here at 98, Patio 40. You go somewhere and watch the game. Be loud. Root on the Golden Eagles. Um, But before we go, Joseph, you also do a couple of other um sports podcasts. Tell us a little bit about that and where people we can find those if they want to check them
1: people. out.
0: <laughs> we did. We reeled yeah, in one.
1: Absolutely. And first and foremost, you know, once again, um, such an honor to be on your show. I, I can't thank you guys enough. This has been an absolute blast, but uh, I have a podcast called the Dan and Joe Sports Show with my friend uh, Daniel Sewell, and also have a podcast called Hungry Takes with my friend Matt Lacaz. And you can find both the Dan and Joe Sports Show and Hungry Takes if you search uh, Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts.
0: Now, a Hungry Takes is an interesting name. Kind of tell us what that one's about.
1: Yes, yeah, so it merges, incorporates uh, food and sports. Because we always felt like um, people love talking both of those topics. And so we feel that even if somebody's not a sports fan, there may be a food fan. And so we're trying, you know, to to kind of appeal to all audiences.
0: Well, anytime. I think Lane and I like to eat. Am I wrong, Lane? I mean, we sound skinny. We, we sound skinny on the radio, but we're, we're really not. Um, Big fan. So if you ever need some. <laughs> yes, if you ever need some some food critics Jake or some sports man, people. Let us it. know, man. We'll, we'll come on and play around with you guys.
1: We'll definitely have to do that. Th- thank you so much yeah. uh, for that. And yeah, yeah, that would be a lot of fun.
0: That would be a lot of fun for sure. Um well, uh last comments. Anything else y'all want to say? I'm just ready for tomorrow. Ready for tomorrow.
1: Yeah, yeah, just just looking forward to to another uh, another interesting weekend.
0: I know. Me too, man. Me too. And as always, we want to thank Mr. Pate Faggard. I'm not gonna brag on him as well as I did last show, um, that y'all didn't get to hear because he didn't get to put it out. Mm. But we do wanna thank him for making us sound good, Dag look good, rabbit. and needs to have Bob Nabbit Saget. Himself. he does need to <laughs> We love
2: Dag-nabbit. you, Pate. We're joking, man. We
0: do love Pate and we are we are forever thankful. Pate is a full-time grad student um works uh full-time as a girlfriend but still finds time to edit our wonderful voices so we do greatly appreciate everything fate does for us um so until next time we will see you and as always southern miss to the to top, the top. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Everyday Eagles podcast for Southern Miss fans, by Southern Miss fans. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit everydayeaglespodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Everyday Eagles Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review
1: and subscribe and we'll catch you next time on the Everyday Eagles Podcast. (laughs)